Hey, welcome to the Road and Morale podcast. So do you ever feel like screaming out in the office, on Zoom or outside the school gates, for the love of God, come on, really? Then if this is you and you're looking for an honest, fun and frank podcast on life and business, then sit back and listen to me, Rona Morel. I'll be bringing great people on the show to talk, share and debate their life experiences and business challenges, keeping the show unpolished, but in a fun and unique British style with sarcasm, tenacity, maybe a few swear words or tears. This podcast keeps it real, honest, raw, and removes the bullshit in the only way I know how, through authenticity and getting shit done. Think of it less like the Housewives of New York or TOWIE with the lipo and drama, and more like the house lives of the real world. I hope you'll take something away to be better informed, laugh, smile, or maybe even finally get in the confidence to shout, come on, really. So enjoy. Hi, Sharique. Welcome to the Rona Morale podcast. Can't speak this morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm very good, Rona. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be on. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I'm really excited about this topic, two, two huge passions of mine. Um, for all the listeners, I'm delighted to welcome um, Sharique Paul to the podcast. Now, Sharique and I actually met because she very kindly spoke at a an event, a fundraising event for Education Africa. And when I got to learn more about what she did, I just thought, this is a no-brainer. We need to have you on the show. Um, so... Sharik is originally from um, South Africa and works in wildlife conservation. And I guess, as you can imagine, over the years of traveling, Sharik has obviously experienced uh, what is happening to our natural habitats and biodiversity and, and, and animals. So through her incredible experience with the National Geographic and the BBC, um, she, you know, I guess took the ball by the horns and created her own business called Impact Wild. And it's all about storytelling and how we can use that to create active change um, that can help benefit the biodiversity crisis. So welcome and thank you. Thank you so much, Rona. That's a, a fantastic intro. <laughs> You can pay me later. Um, so listen, let's dive straight into it. So first of all, tell us a little bit about your experience working with sort of mainstream like National Geographic, BBC, and then how and why, what was the real turning point for you to set up Impact Wild? Yeah, um, so it's been about 14 years or so that I've been working in mainstream wildlife television. And I'll just um, stress that with the National Geographic, it was more on the business side. So distribution, which was great. It wasn't great at the time because I wanted to be in the field, but it was a fantastic foundation. So mm -hmm. business side with National Geographic for about four or five years. And then um, uh, got my dream job at the BBC Natural History Unit, which um, lasted about eight years, eight, nine years. So that's really where I started get a, getting the opportunity to specialize in wildlife conservation specific programming. So I popped in and out of development and production. Um, so I got to spend quite a lot of time on the front line um, and, and, and sort of ended up specializing in the more harder hitting conservation stories. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we covered so many stories of illegal wildlife trade and yeah. living with rangers all over Africa and really frontline stuff. So I think it was pretty much inevitable that I, became obsessed 
I became, I was yeah. utterly obsessed with wildlife conservation because I had so much information coming my way every day um, uh, about the state of the planet and state of wildlife and, you know, the amazing people on the front line. That's, that's, that's the base. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, it, it just built over the years, this real obsession with, um, well, one, seeing the power that we have in storytelling, not only mainstream television storytelling, but storytelling at its core, uh, the information that we can transfer inside storytelling. Um, and I basically wanted to do more. I, I didn't want to just pe have people see the programs. Like, like great, you're, you're, you have new information and you feel inspired, but what now? So, so this is where impact production comes in. Um, and um, I learned about this term that was actually, I think it was about 2012, 2013, uh, where the, it, it was actually, it, it became a thing. Um, and I think it was um, a doc society that, that uh, named it um, Impact Production, right. uh, where, where basically, yeah, it, it, it's that. It's, it's about utilizing the power inside the story. Um, to target specific audiences um, for a specific change, basically. Um, so whatever your film sort of covers and the, 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 the problem or the crisis or the, the um, yeah, um, injustice that your film communicates, you want to do something with that audience. Um, so this is why I started Impact Wild to really specialize in it because it, it impact production has been a lot more used in social uh, justice documentary world and not so much in wildlife television or wildlife documentary. So that I want to see the power of what we can do for the biodiversity crisis, you know, this wildlife yeah. crisis that we're so in the slap bang middle of, we're on the edge. So, uh, yeah, it's just an amazing, powerful tool that we are maximizing yeah. uh, to see how we can benefit the natural world so i guess that's the really important part somebody like me who i guess sees content like this um often has that sense of being very overwhelmed and you know out of sight out of mind sometimes and the so what you know the so what so how do you when you're taking on a project do you start with the end in mind and then go, well, this is the action I need. So how do I create that story and, and how, do, how does it work? Yeah, so I suppose there's two things. Either impact producers can um, make the, the film itself or you sort of slot onto a film. So there's various different stages. But what I like to do, and this is what I'm busy with, we're busy with a huge project actually, um, about the Congo Basin and forest elephants. Uh, so for impact, it's obviously all about the, the goal. What do you want to achieve? What is that problem that the species is facing or the ecosystem or your story wants to take on? What, what kind of, in, what is the injustice you want to take on? What is the audience? Who are the audiences that's going to change this? And often there's various audiences. So you need various strategies to reach these audiences. Um, but yeah, it's really, I, I like to do it straight from the beginning as you write the film to incorporate impact. And this isn't normally done because um, often in uh, production and television, you don't always have time, budget, 
hands to actually uh, focus on impact. So this is also something we're working on to make it more mainstream. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, so for, for even the content in your film to be driven by that end goal is so important. So you have your film um, that can obviously be broadcast internationally and sort of build your audience and inform and inspire. Um, but then around your film, you can have various impact strategies that target much more specific audiences. Right. So, so that could literally be, um, is the problem in the Congo that, um, yeah, uh, kids in schools don't even know what elephants look like. So you can either yeah. design educational screenings, um, educational content to, to stream, uh, screen all over rural Africa, wherever you're dealing with, or even virtual reality um, projects that can inspire kids even more, being sort of immersed in a herd or something. Um, but it's often also lobbying, um, you know, do you want to, yeah. is, is your film taking on specific policy change that's going to benefit a species or a community? Or, a, or an ecosystem. Uh, so, I mean, it's vast. It's really, really vast what you can do with this. Um, but I'd like, I, I like to incorporate it from the beginning. But you can have yeah. a film and also design um, sort of halfway through the film or at the, at the end of a film, come in and actually, um, yeah, strategize from there. Yeah. yeah. I guess a lot of what we see um, sometimes is very kind of expose. It's, it's very much that kind of gut wrenching. Did you know this happens? Um, and so I guess it's it's slightly sad in a way that impact isn't the kind of main objective from the beginning, because it is the expose. It is the say what. And then it's like, well, who's who's going to do what about it, I guess. So can you can you talk us through a couple of the kind of projects that you've um, worked on and how it will help drive impact and change. Mm. Yeah, so this is, a, it's an exciting one, this, because um, this isn't as part, so my company is very, very young, it's 18 months old, which is why we're still working on our projects um, and learning a lot along the way. Um, but this, um, this is a project that I did as part of the BBC Natural History Unit, where we really started sort of playing with this and seeing what impact inside that framework could be. Um, it's a series called Bears About the House. Um, and I think it, it, um, what, it broadcast in 2020. Um, okay. So we, we, spent, um, we spent about a year with a, a, an amazing team uh, um, in Laos. Um, who rescue bears from the illegal bear trade. So it really, we, because I specialize in immersive filmmaking, I, I did with the BBC, you spend a lot of time on the ground. Mm -hmm. So first of all, it's never, no filmmaker or impact producer is ever going to sort of waltz in and save the day. Um, so it's, partnerships are absolute key. So yeah. you work with uh, the grassroots or international organizations and um, communities and experts in those fields to really um, make sure that your targets are correct and the audience, like they basically call to your strategizing. Um, so um, anyway, with Bears About the House, we made a two-part series for Primetime BBC Two. Five minutes in, you can see um, bears in bile farms 
It, it's yeah. really, it's dark topics, but, but actually we managed to get that on prime, primetime TV, um, yeah. which was amazing for a, for a BBC audience anyway. And so few people know about the bear trade. So that's actually key. The first thing that we realized is how few people know about the bear, uh, the illegal bear trade and bear bile farms. So we yeah. this, now we had an opportunity to talk about um, this topic and actually just raise awareness. That's that's number one key. Um, but then working with closely with Free the Bears as well, um, we identified that the main thing that we can do in this framework is actually drive support and funding towards the organization because that's mm -hmm. the main thing they needed. So always. luckily, always, always is the case. Um, but luckily, um, you know, the, the series did well. And um, even to today, we get feedback from um, the CEO, Matt Hunt. Uh, basically, up to today, they got um, enough funding to build more space, uh, space for more than 50 bears, 50 extra bears. Um, yeah. That's amazing. And during COVID, they, I mean, this is, this is during a time where most grassroots organizations or any NGO really suffered. So it yeah. came at such a great time where the, the organization was actually making enough money to expand and to rescue more bears. And what we did as well as part of the series was um, help free the bears, build that relationship uh, or, or, or just um, sort of add something positive to the relationship between the, the Lao government and the organization because the Lao government are the people that decide to rescue bears and close bear bile farms. So it right. was very important for us to show the good things that the government do. And um, I know for a fact that the, this, the series was actually shown at the UK embassy in Lao to all of the officials there. And it really helped uh, further uh, discussions around closing the last bear bile farms in in Laos. I think there's about 100 bears in captivity at the moment. At the moment, so that's sort wow. of inside television. But um, but yeah, there's that's actually you say that quite um, quite matter of factly. Actually, that's yeah. that's huge because yeah, you know, you raise awareness. People don't get it or understand what it is or what it's used for, and then you've got that interconnected partnerships between the charities, the NGOs and the government. And yeah. no, that's huge. Absolutely Rona, huge. We, we really become a vehicle to amplify the good work that's already being done. That's actually, that's, that's what we do. You know, yeah. it, it, it's about working with those people, identifying what, what do you need? What's, what's the biggest problem here? And then seeing how you can benefit with this global stage that you bring. Um, so yeah, we, I should feel more proud. I know we just, sort oh, of no, you should, <laughs> you should for sure. And actually that's a really nice, you know, sort of sentiment because we, we do know when we work in this space, there are so many pretty incredible people doing mm. thankless, tireless work all day, every day, and just never being given the opportunity to have that exposed and, and implement changes. And it is frustrating that, but, but equally exciting that maybe a television program aired on a big channel somewhere in the world can tip a governmental policy into action. And I guess that's what's exciting. Exactly, Rona. I think for me, the, the, and I get so flippant excited when I think about all of the, the, the potential, because 
for me, it's about having seen all of these, like you say, unbelievably inspiring. I mean, it's people on the front line that you would just be so proud to be, uh, to say that you're a human being alongside them. You know, yeah. they, it, it, it's, it's amazing. And this is a tool where we actually bridge the gap between this international audience um, and, and, and that person on the front line who 99.9% .9 of the time work with slim to no resources. Yeah. So there's an actual role that we can play here in London, in, in New York, wherever, um, and, and then also design these strategies so that the, the international public can support um, uh, different kinds of changes, whether, like we say, policy change or uh, supporting kids education or whatever so yeah it, it it's really powerful i i truly believe yeah. that impact production is one of the the most um effective uh wildlife conservation tools we have today that's how i feel about it well actually what's quite um interesting is that i guess impact production and then we look at say the sustainable development goals that could be relevant to every single one of those because it's about impacting effective, sustainable change, be that poverty, be that education, healthcare, whatever. So I think for me, it's a much wider um, piece. And I'm sure, again, there are, you know, there are a lot of people out there trying to interject that. Um, what, what project or animal cons conservation country would you really love to get your hands on that you are like I need the world to hear about this yes well good question because that's sort of why I left um mainstream television to to take on this this company so our first project I started with a blank page I'm South African I'm I have this amazing just obsession and love for Africa um, and there's so much to protect and save there still, um, like everywhere. But, you know, you have to start somewhere, Rona. Um, yeah. So I, I started researching, and it's been about eight months now, where can we make a significant amount? What animal species can we connect with to make a significant, uh, 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 a significant difference for people and wildlife in Africa? So we decided on the Congo rainforest and right. the, the critically endangered forest elephant inside the, the, the rainforest. Um, it's so critical to have the, the forest elephant in this rainforest ecosystem because yeah. um, about 30, 40% of tree species depend on the elephant to grow. And they manage, it's amazing, they manage the forest and they... They, they determine whether the, the forest is healthy or not. So well, it's, it's that kind of posh migration of poo, isn't it? Because yeah. they are so efficient yeah. at traveling distance and sending the seeds. And yeah, yeah no, it's, yeah. yeah. And, and I know everyone, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm also, a, I love the small animals and the, the things you never get to see on television. But we do need to look at these, you know, what species uh, will will attract people's attention and you know it's not only in reality that we chose that but it's also a magnificent animal that very few people know of because they're very difficult to film so we yeah. won't go too much into the project but that's my dream is to raise awareness for the congo rainforest that affects you and me 
as we're sitting here, because it's the second largest rainforest on the planet. And, and that's part of the green wall, isn't it, in Africa? That yeah, above, above that, we, we have the green wall as well. So, yeah, that's an amazing project that, that's happening as well. Um, so positive stuff happening. Um, but, but yeah, the, these areas need attention and they need, um, uh, yeah, not only do people need to know about it, but they also need to support it. Really, they need to get hands on in supporting these spaces. Yeah. And I'd, I'd read recently or heard recently about the carbon sequestration benefits of animals like elephants and the whales. And actually, you know, how do we understand the the kind of natural capital if we look at them as an I hate to say it a commercial asset um you know what what does that value drive and it's not it's like you say from the very tiny to the very big that interconnectedness between them um yeah I, I can eat oh I just I adore elephants absolutely adore. I've just yes. realized I've got like some sort of animal print t-shirt on I'm like that looks really cheesy like I planned that for the I nearly wore mine imagine that imagine we had the same outfit on I I have a a little leopard print top as well that would have been awesome we should have we should have decided um before we started this you should have released God animal come on no so I guess obviously that's that's going to be a huge project for you. Do you foresee that taking up all of your time or for the next foreseeable future? Or have you got other things that you're hoping to work on? Well, yes, we have a few other things going. Um, but I think part of part of taking on this, mainly this uh, big project over the next two, three years is measuring the impact and finding ways. That's, that's a difficult yeah. thing in, in many instances. So. Um, so yes, it's it's we're taking it quite slow, even in the development process, because all of these decisions we're making is tied into the end result, the goal. And to prove the goal at the end of the day, we need to measure it. It's such a boring word, I know, but it's so crucial. Um, so um, so this will be the the main project going forward. But we also have um, actually in that region quite a few smaller projects happening as well yeah I, can imagine. I just I just feel if because it's so impact focused I can't I, to focus in that one region for all of our projects at, at the moment is quite key because you do need to understand the environment and the cultures and the 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 the, the yeah the, the the people that you're dealing with so that you can speak to them yeah. and be um yeah, tailor the project to them. So I just feel all of our attention at the moment has to be in one place. Yeah. And I guess, like you say, just by saving one part of that ecosystem, everybody is impacted. So from the children, from the farmers, the education, to the health of the soil, to the animals in the trees, to everything. And I guess there is something to be said for... I guess what I guess what you don't realise when you're watching productions and films, and that's one of the things I do love about, um, you know, the Frozen Planet or the BBC series with David Attenborough, because you always get those ten minutes at the end, and and I hope in some ways you do that with yours, because 
you just think you rock up and people go, oh, it'd be amazing just to you know, turn up and film that. Are you going to sit there for four years and wait for that one moment to happen? It's We, we underappreciate what goes on. Um, yeah. Uh, Rona, yes. Oh, my goodness. I can't tell you what goes into these programs. Um, it is it, it honestly is two or four years of your life. Um, mm -hmm. And um, just to, to put in perspective, this Bears series that we filmed, we filmed 300 hours for every one hour that the audience sees. Wow. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of filming. This is now observational documentary and not sort of the David Attenborough blue chip stuff. But, yes, the, the ratio there is also very high, mm -hmm. even though it's much more scripted. Um, but, yes, it's it's. It's also the best job in the world, let's face it. Um, so none of us can complain. It doesn't matter how no, hard I am, work. I am, I am, if I'm honest, there's not many things that like I get jealous about. And I'm always saying to my kids, don't be jealous of anything or anyone. But the combination to, to travel, be in nature with animals and just... Yeah, I'm like, am I too old? I'm 45. Can Never. I change careers? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, but I've got two young kids. Could I get them adopted? <laughs> get them out of the way. Um, yeah. yeah, I just, I can only imagine it's it's heartbreaking I could, um, and, and, and tiring, but the value of reward must be amazing. Yeah, it really is. It, it, uh, honestly, to to be invited into the the behind the scenes of um, grassroots organizations or national parks um, and um, people inviting you into their lives, their mm. incredible lives that you can't believe uh, exists. But you just, I'm so, you're so humbled also to have to sit there and look at these animals. You just have to look at them because you're filming them. Um, yeah. And, and, tell people in the around the world about these incredible people and animals so it 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 honestly truly is a is a privilege and yeah. that is also why i feel this industry needs to take a lot more responsibility for doing better because the natural history television um industry is unbelievably um uh uh sort of sustainability needs a lot of attention it's the footprint represented isn't it yeah absolutely and the footprints are immense and i know luckily you know this industry at least here in bristol the wildlife television capital of the world is doing a lot to address this and make sure that our actual footprint and impact and 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 you know sustainability impact uh, is um not as um terrible as it is at the moment yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so, how do you how do you kind of I suppose when you're traveling how do you try and make sure that your company and production is as sustainable as possible what sort mm -hmm. of things do you try and implement let's be honest we haven't got hydrogen planes and we haven't got a solution to that yet so anybody going well you fly around the world doing it seriously we, we've got to just use the tools we have right now but how do you as a company try and make yourself um as sustainable as possible yeah I, I mean if we don't fly or use equipment we're also not going to have programs so there's always going to be an impact 
doesn't yeah. matter what we do, there's going to be an impact. And it's just down to us to make it more um, positive than negative. Um, so every single step that we, every, every decision we need to make in this production, um, and I know the, the television industry does that more and more these days as well, mm-hmm. is, you know, you look at your, your uh, filming schedule and if you can squeeze more shoots into one, into one section, because with one shoot goes crew, you take 20 massive pillowcases as excess baggage. Um, you, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're basically, the, the less you can fly, obviously, the better. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's all about um, trying to move your schedule a little bit so that it, it just makes uh, less of a, um, uh, well, uh, less flying. Um, then also, you know what happened during uh, the pandemic, which in our industry, we, weren't, we were never used to hiring local talent, which is silly. Oh, yeah, you know, which is we know crazy. It's yeah. Ridiculous. We know that's silly. But with COVID-19 hitting, um, a lot more local crew all over the world got the opportunity to work for these mainstream production houses. So there's a lot of fantastic, fantastic talent out there. Africa and wherever that never used to have the opportunity so it's a lot easier now to actually hire local local crew rather than fly everyone out from that's impact in itself isn't it yeah that's creating impact and people opportunities yeah might like you say don't get the chance or don't have the connections yes um because I guess film and tv is always seen as very glamorous and you know you're in the know and all of that but Mm. It, well, anyone who travels a lot knows it. <laughs> it's not <laughs> at all. It really, yeah. it really isn't. It, are there any topics that are a no-go for you that you would, you know, if I said to you, here's a project, I'll 100% fund it, you can have whatever you want. Are there topics that you would say no? As long as it is for the benefit of, biodiversity, specifically wildlife in my company's space. I feel passionate about everything in terms of producing well, a better life for humanity and the whole planet. But as long as it's about wildlife and it's taking on a problem, an injustice, I'll do it. So right. I'm, luckily I'm, I'm, I'm trained in sort of hostile environments and I actually thrive in, in those regions where it's a little bit more... Well, I said, <laughs> yeah, just a, a bit more tricky and possibly a little bit more dangerous or, yeah. you know, film crews don't necessarily always want to go there, which is also part of the reason being outside of the, the mainstream production houses is such a benefit now because Local. we can spend more time and go to these regions that um, perhaps um, other, other, you know, mainstream production productions can't go to for an extended amount of time at the moment so um I I don't know if there's anything I won't do as long as it is a voice for wildlife (laughs) and have you ever started a project um I guess where I'm getting to on this one is have you ever started a project where you've soon very quickly realized there's a lot of greenwashing and a lot of uh potential for this to be seen in a light that isn't isn't true have you have you ever come across a brief or something where you've gone 
Oh, I know where this is going. So that exists, no doubt. <clears throat> I luckily haven't been in that space, um, mostly because I've chosen my own projects. I've, I've never had to uh, be given a, a, a brief that takes on anything um, sort of... Um, Television doesn't really work with um, uh, sort of uh, how, how to explain this now, but tele television wouldn't work with, say, say Shell or uh, a, a corporation to make a program. Um, I, I've been lucky enough to not have to be involved in that side. We, we work with NGOs on the ground that yeah. tend to do things, uh, well, research or, um, well, or saving wildlife from the illegal wildlife trade. Um, but there's an element, uh, and this might not be 100% what you mean, but there's things like using cute animals in programs um, to, to reach an audience. That's always yes. something that we really need to discuss, you know, or, or in, the, in the blue chip, as we say, the David Attenborough kind of programs, not showing yes. what happens behind the, the camera, you know, are there 100 cars waiting to see the animal that you're filming? So yes. some of that can sit a little bit wrong with me. Um, I'm quite an extreme person when it comes to sort of injustice and shouting about it. But um, uh, these tools are very useful often. Yeah. And it really is just about discussing, you know, how much do you see this cute bear before you cut to the bear bile farm? Um, and then yes. at least people know they're going back to a cute bear before they perhaps go on to something a little bit uh hard to watch so yeah. so there's reason for some of these but no luckily i mean if i ever sit in a oh, i ask myself also often you know what if shell comes to you to make a program yeah i mean i probably wouldn't wouldn't want to do it um yeah. i understand that there also needs to be a bit of a gray space where you work with corporate and you work yes. with these yeah. entities as long, I think, as you aren't, they aren't using me or any of the projects uh, I'm involved in to make them look better. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get. No, I totally get you. Because I think, I think you're right. We, we can't not work with these people. There has to be that element if, yeah. as long as that individual or corporation is willing to go we've kind of screwed up here. We're still not going to be perfect after this, but this is something that we can mm. impact as long as it's not hiding all the stuff that, you know, that they're, they're, they're doing. So I, I totally get yeah. that. I'm also starting to imagine another side of you, Sharika, as kind of guerrilla warfare trained and hostage negotiator in the jungle <laughs> of the Congo. Yeah. I mean, seriously. My cup of tea. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've traveled Africa a fair amount. Um, uh, you know, probably most rural would have been, I guess, Kenya and Uganda in the Bawindi Forest. Amazing. And I think spending time with kind of pygmy tribes who you know have been displaced and really are there as a bit of a tourist trap, you know, they're, they, they're the only ones left. But I think in the midst of somewhere like the Congo and other con countries in, in Africa, it is really dangerous. You can't just walk about you know pretending you know as, you know especially you know as, as a white person female blonde I mean you're hitting all the things here that expose you so I think it it must be very dangerous at times 
Yes, um, I, I'm absolutely. It can be also. Um, we can be a, a danger. Um, we can attract danger for local people as well. So honestly, this is something we have to be so mindful of. So we we no film crew should ever just pop in unannounced and start well i mean it's different in news and i i only speak for wildlife documentary now um but i work with existing organizations i work with the experts in that field and fixers in that field yeah. that so before you even step out there you've done your you've built your relationships from yeah. Bristol, you've written an extensive risk assessment and also how to get yourself out of situations. Obviously, things can still happen, but you'll be a very irresponsible filmmaker if you do not look at all the most uh, horrific things that could happen, yeah. uh, whether that's medical or kidnap or anything. So yes, you need to assess everything and then you need to assess whether it's worth you going out. And whether you're going to put any anyone else's life in danger. Um, that's, 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 I guess that's a really fair point as well. By you doing what you do and exposing some of these people who often are doing things quite behind the scenes, suddenly that exposure can create danger, can't it? Absolutely. Goodness me. That's, that's one of the, the biggest responsibilities of documentary filmmakers is when you work with people or film you know, whether it's the, the good or the bad guy, it's about really being honest from the, the, the get-go about what this film can mean for you because we're also dealing with cultures potentially that isn't like you and me. We don't, some of those cultures don't watch TV and on Facebook and social yeah. media all day long. So they don't really understand the repercussions of, of getting a, 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 um, a face that's on a global stage. It, yeah. uh, you know that it could be fatal for them sometimes so so yeah it uh, every single thing is so every single story you make is so um different but you just really need to understand that you're very um responsible for people's futures and lives yeah um, so yeah it's 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 a it's a very big responsibility no absolutely well listen Ending on a, a kind of a, a more positive note, I think certainly keep that kick-ass Sharik going and filming <laughs> and taking on these amazing impact, amazing impact projects. I think it'll be really great to see in a few years the outcomes of the, the project in the Congo and the elephants and, and how that's created a story and impact. So absolutely keep us um posted on that and just thank you so much for sharing more about impact production and the importance of it and some of the detail well thanks for having me honestly it's um it takes a lot to sit and listen to me for for 45 minutes or whatever so um no it's it's an absolute delight to talk about um this amazing space and yes let's see what happens uh, watch this space i'm excited to share <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. And, and a big thank you again for helping support um, the event with Education Africa because we, we had a few conservation um, projects going up for auction as well. So thank you so much. Have an awesome Pleasure. week and, and safe travels and filming. Thank you and you, Rona. Take care. Bye. <laughs> Bye. So that's it. You've made it. The show's over. Thank you for being with us. I hope you've been able to take something away, maybe solve a problem or just know you're not alone. 
Here's hoping it made you smile with a few laughs along the way. Please feel free to find me on all social media channels and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search the Rodi Morale podcast. Have an awesome day and see you next time.